This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Markets. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the legislature today. I'm Bob Brunner. On recovery day at the legislature, there was a united reaction to a bill passed yesterday that limits the number of treatment beds a county can have. Randy Yowie has our follow-up story. Recovery and treatment center workers and clients came from around the state and gathered in the Capitol Rotunda, many with the same reaction to House Bill 3337, limiting the number of 28-day treatment beds to 250. The number of beds is used to tally treatment center saturation. The bill sponsors come from Wood County, who say Parkersburg and Wood County are financially and socially overwhelmed with 288 beds, 26% of the state's treatment beds. Joanna Vance, a recovery specialist with the American Friends Service Committee said, the bed limit will spark more patient brokering and facility license exchanges. She said Wood County dug its own hole by opening its doors a few years back to an influx of treatment facilities. Wood County opened up all of these rogue treatment centers and behavioral health, and they've run rampant through um, Parkersburg. You've heard the elected officials talking about how bad it is up there. And advocates like myself have worked for years to address the patient brokering that's happening in Wood County with you know little to no help. And I just think that it's odd that Wood County took all of that money and now because they messed up, they're making the rest of the state and the rest of the counties in West Virginia have to pay for the patient brokering that they have allowed to happen for so long. Vance joined bill opponents saying treatment bed tally should be based on need, not a number. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie. The House of Delegates discussed extending a state of emergency for the state's correction system and medical facilities relating to pregnant women. Randy Yowie has more. House Bill 613 passed with a 75-20 vote. The bill lifts certificate of need requirements for birthing centers and medical facilities on a hospital campus and allows facilities other than hospitals to perform MRIs. Previously, medical facilities had to get state approval before offering new services. Delegate Mike Pushkin, Democrat from Kanawha County, opposed the bill, concerned the measure would hurt more people than it helped. When you allow the, these uh, private practices to, uh, to offer these, these types of uh, procedures that are really what they can bill a whole lot for and what the hospitals also bill a whole lot for. But uh, when they can cherry pick and they can say, well, we're not going to take PEIA, we're not going to take Medicaid, we're not going to take Medicare, we're only going to take private pays, but the hospital, they have, to take, they have to take everybody and rightfully so. 
then you can run into a, di a dangerous situation. And then who will it hurt? Uh, the people who need uh, the services that can't afford it. Delegate Heather Tully, a Republican from Nicholas County, supported the bill she said would help her constituents with enhanced medical options. I live in Summersville, as you all well know. Um, it's about an hour commute either to Beckley, an hour and a half to Charleston, an hour and a half to Clarksburg, or some of our patients even go to Elkins to get obstetrical care. My hospital in my community also is interested in expanding some cancer treatment services, and so that would also eliminate the travel times for patients in my area that may need cancer treatment services if those are to be implemented. The House passed concurrent resolution 78, indefinitely extending Governor Jim Justice's state of emergency over correction facility staffing levels, concerned with safety, security, and maintaining National Guard support. Delegate David Kelly, a Republican from Tyler County and chair of the House Jails and Prisons Committee, spoke of the continued dangerously low corrections employment rate. Let me just explain that we expect to spend anywhere from 17 to 20 million dollars this year just to cover the cost of our National Guard. Additionally, we're looking at 22 plus million dollars last year in overtime and we can only expect that that too will increase this year because we're losing our officers almost on a daily basis. Our officers are saying, I can't do this anymore. And so I just want to share just a few things with you if I may. We, right now, as of March 2nd, we have 1,042 overall vacancies in DCR. That's 27%. Now, when we narrow that down, what we've got are 751 officer vacancies. That's unconscionable. That's 33% vacancies in our jails and our prisons. The House also completed legislation on House Bill 2002, providing support for families by increasing an adoption tax credit, establishing the eligibility of adopted children for early intervention services, and creating the West Virginia Mothers and Babies Pregnancy Support Program. And they passed Senate Bill 273 that allocates child protective service workers in counties according to the county's average caseload and population based on the 2020 census. The bill requires the Department of Human Services to report to the legislature those changes and have a backup system in the event of a centralized intake outage and develop a merit-based system for specified employees. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie. With just two days left in the session, the Senate passed more than 20 bills today, many of them related to issues of education that legislators have made priorities all session. Reporter Chris Schultz has our story. House Bill 2346 would declare a shortage of qualified bus operators and allow retired bus operators to accept employment. Senate Education Committee Chair Senator Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County, said that an alarmingly large fiscal note that stymied a similar Senate bill from passing had been removed. One last important note, Mr. President, I'd like to add is this um, originally, three sessions ago, I saw a fiscal note of $999,999,999, and it is now at zero. I'm happy to answer any questions, Mr. President. I urge passage. During discussion of the bill in committee, Grady, who is a teacher, said she had seen firsthand how the driver shortage is already interrupting students' education. House Bill 2890 would modify student discipline guidelines for schools. The bill was amended twice on the floor to limit the application of new discipline provisions to grades 6 through 12 
and exclude their application to elementary schools. The new provisions primarily relate to when a student can be excluded from a classroom for behavior that obstructs the teaching or learning process of others. House Bill 3035, in its original form, would establish the state's Grow Your Own program to facilitate a career path for high school students to pursue a career in education. However, after extensive amending, the bill no longer contains provisions for Grow Your Own and is instead the vehicle for several other priority programs. This amendment would replace the House of Delegates method of promoting grade level proficiency in English language arts and mathematics by grade three with the Third Grade Success Act that was part of Senate Bill 274, which has already passed the Senate earlier this session. It would also remove provisions relating to the Grow Your Own program, which is a three-year pilot program um, where applicant county boards and public charter schools offer a pathway to facilitate a career path for candidates to pursue um, a a career in education. The amendment also adds in a modified version of House Bill 3293, which imposes requirements on the state board and local education agencies for addressing learning disabilities, including dyslexia and dyscalculia. Senate Bill 274, which had already passed out of the Senate, was similarly and significantly amended by the House Education Committee earlier this week, necessitating the addition of the Third Grade Success Act to House Bill 3035 to ensure it a chance to pass. House Bill 3224 would add West Virginia Junior College to the list of eligible institutions that can accept promised scholarship recipients. Senator Ryan Weld, a Republican from Brook County, stood in support of the bill. One of the biggest programs that they have is their registered nurse program, uh, training nurses at uh, more than 10 locations around the state. They've got an average of 400 uh, students that they do so, and so I think that this legislation is going to help them build their student enrollment and will help West Virginians who want to become a nurse do so and help us with one of our bigger health care uh, crises that we have in the state, which is our nursing shortage. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. Beyond education, the Senate also passed House Bill 2814, which would create a hydrogen power task force to study hydrogen energy in the state's economy. Also passed was House Bill 3189, the PFAS Protection Act, which would identify and address sources of forever chemicals and reduce toxic chemicals in our drinking water supplies. There have been a number of health issues discussed by the legislature this session, from reducing the cost of insulin to women's health. Some passed, some failed, and some are still pending in these past few days. Emily Rice, West Virginia Public Broadcasting Appalachia Health News reporter, joins me now to discuss some of the bills she's following. Emily, we know that they're now, they had to put a bill back for the certificate of need thing. A lot of people don't understand what a certificate of need is. Can you bring us up to date? Absolutely. So a certificate of need is something that healthcare centers, facilities, hospitals all have to apply for to open up a healthcare facility so it's to make sure that there's not an oversaturation of a certain kind of facility uh, in a certain area. And what was the outcome or has there been an outcome? So uh, there was an outcome. It uh, passed the House today. So it lifts the certificate of need for birthing centers and medical facilities on a hospital campus. It also allows uh, different medical uh, facilities to perform MRIs and that's something that was debated on the House floor and lawmakers argued that removing the certificate of need would make these health care options more accessible to the people of West Virginia. 
The meeting last night, Emily, as I understand it, uh, went on quite a while, was very contentious, and involved a number of issues that uh, perhaps hadn't bubbled to the surface at this point. So what really got everybody all stirred up? Absolutely, so what happens at this point in session a lot is that bills that have either you know languished in committee, they'll be inserted into other bills to try to go ahead and get that passed. Uh, my understanding of what happened last night is that a earlier argument that was being made to remove the exemption for rape within a marriage. So if a husband would rape a wife, he would not face any consequences according to West Virginia code at the but, moment. Okay, that's current law. That is current law. So they were trying to put that exception in, to take that out of the law. Uh, within a bill that was defining what a minor is within the state. Mm -hmm. So the conversation, obviously, you know, I'm not an expert by any means, but I have been following this a lot, and it confused all of us. Uh, even the lawmakers themselves were a little bit confused and asking for points of order. So they took, um, they went ahead and passed that, but with amendments and really kind of lost their, lost their uh, train of thought along the way with defining a minor because mm -hmm. the original intent of that bill, as Brandon Steele, the sponsor of it, explained to the committee, was to catch pedophiles within the state that may be interacting with someone purporting to be a minor online. And they may be a grown person and mm -hmm. it's kind of like to catch a predator. You remember that show? Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Brandon Steele was talking about how Predators can come in from out of state and they can prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law, but if someone from within West Virginia goes to meet someone that they think is underage for sex, that's something that they cannot prosecute for within the state at the moment mm -hmm. because that person was not actually underage. Wow. So that was what was actually being argued and we got way off in the weeds a little bit on that one. Uh, but it did go ahead and go to the full Senate floor. And okay. One more question about DHHR. I have heard the term used that the systems in DHHR were antiquated. And are we going to really solve this by simply taking antiquated systems and separating them out? Or is there something more direct that's going to happen which is going to benefit West Virginia? So I think something that really illustrates that point is that within the month of February, uh, payments to adoptees and foster families were delayed. And it was due to a system error. It was due to them uh, kind of promulgating all of that information into a new system. So what they had to do for February was send out those payments uh, directly. And that, caused a delay that lasted for a lot of the month. I haven't got exact figures, but they started sending out payments in different waves. And uh, by the end of February, families were supposed to be made whole, but the DHHR did put out a press release that they would be accepting uh, forms of paperwork to families for them to be reimbursed for any late fees they may have incurred because they didn't get those payments that they're accustomed to getting. Uh, so that's just an example of the issues that go on. A CPS issue that was discussed, I believe yesterday, is the central intake system. It's essentially a hotline for mm -hmm. CPS. You, sh you should be able to call and report child abuse. 
Uh, but what people are reporting is that it sends you to either a robot or yeah. a voicemail, or there's just really nothing coming out of that. And that's what so much, uh, there's been you know measures and resolutions put forth through the past few years to try to fix the DHHR. And a lot of those are not actually actionable and they're not actually being used. And a lot of that can be blamed on the workforce issues, which they are working on uh, hiring. Uh, I forget the exact number of CPS workers, but it's a lot. Um, I believe their applicants, uh, their applicant numbers were up by 20, 21% just mm. since the publication of DHHR splitting up. So uh, they have antiquated systems that it seems that they are moving into the 21st century uh, and ready to take on this separation. And, you know, we'll see next year when it actually happens. All right, now insulin costs, they've been skyrocketing in recent years. The legislature has done something about that? Yes, uh, I believe it was last week or in the last week. Uh, the House passed a $35 cap on insulin costs. Uh, so there was a little bit of debate about the free market. A lot of uh, law lawmakers argued that insulin costs would fall naturally and that they were already beginning to do so. Um, from what we're hearing from the public, they're not experiencing that. So the House did pass that $35 cap on insulin copays for patients. And when would that take effect? Uh, the Senate has to take that up and decide whether or not it becomes law. So that'll become one of those final weekend deals. Absolutely. Okay. While this is less of a physical health issue, but more of mental and young person's well-being, tell me what happened at that Judiciary Committee meeting that caused such a ruckus last night? Absolutely. So. There's been a few bills that are making major headlines, we could say, over the session. Uh, House Bill 2007, which is relating to gender-affirming care, was passed by Senate Judiciary yesterday. They returned to their floor session and then returned to their Senate Judiciary meeting. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of scrambling, uh, but they did pass House Bill 2007 um, to the full floor. So it's on second reading right now, I believe. Uh, the other big issue that uh, was on the table during that meeting, and this is when they came back from their floor session, uh, they were arguing a child marriage bill, which would be removing um, language and code that allows people underage to be married, whether that's by a circuit judge uh, allowing that or a parent's uh, permission. People are allowed to get married in the state under 18. Uh, the age is generally 16, but there is no uh, floor for hmm. that. So age. in West Virginia, actually, you can be married at any age now under with, current law. With the correct paperwork from judges and parents, yes. Wow. Well, we've heard a lot in the last couple of weeks about the child protective services issue. What, what's, uh, what's the status of that as we go into the last day and a half? Well, there's been a lot, obviously, about the reorganization of the DHHR. And there are a lot of bills that I wouldn't say are, you know, they're really to, to implement that reorganization. Their policies, their you know, funding this direction, funding that direction. Uh, but the Senate did pass a bill to make it easier for adoptive families to get medical records. And that's been a really big contentious one for adoptive families. Uh, there were also discussions about bringing more caseworkers to where they're needed, and that's been a big topic of conversation. Uh, during last night's House hearing on CPS, the suggestion was made to 
put a CPS worker in every single school. And while the fiscal note on that would be pretty much incomprehensible, it's something that uh, a lot of lawmakers thought were, was a decent idea and could be considered in future years uh, to have a CPS worker in every school. Mm. And finally, I guess we've discussed this splitting up DHHR uh, back and forth and back and forth. It's now going to be three different agencies. Mm -hmm. What's the upshot of all of this? How's this going to affect us, the citizens? Absolutely. So while the legislation does take effect from passage, the new divisions will not uh, be obvious to us until January of next year. So fiscal year 2024 is what we're debating about. And so the reorganization will take a new form. There's gonna be a Department of Human Services for programs like Child Protective Services, a Department of Health and a Department of Health Facilities for facilities like state-run hospitals. Uh, each agency will also have its own secretary to head the department, which um, a lot of lawmakers are hoping for more oversight, uh, more decision-making that's going to be helping the people that are in within state care. Thank you, Emily, and it's been quite a session. The legislature today ends tomorrow night, but tune in Saturday evening for the final hours. We'll be broadcasting live from 8 p.m. until midnight when the session ends. The rest of this week, tomorrow night, you can still tune in to our legislature today at 6 p.m. Don't forget, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily on our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those for you on YouTube as well. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.